0: Thank you and welcome to Scripture on Creation. I'm Scott Kumpf. And I'm Dr. Ben Scripture. Dr. Scripture, in our last program, we were discussing the issue of how human nature was passed on from the parents to their offspring. You said there were two main views regarding that, and you even named them, but you did not have time to explain what they meant.
1: Well, yes, yeah, Scott. So in this program, I'm going to briefly explain what those two views are, and then we'll consider what their ramifications are when thinking about how the human nature is passed from parents to their offspring. Those two main views are the Tradition view and the Creation view.
0: And without knowing what either specifically was proposing, I was very surprised when, in our last program, you said you were not a Creationist. (laughs) So I think it's time you explain yourself, Dr. Scripture.
1: Okay, now remember, we're talking specifically about how the human nature is passed on from the parents to their offspring. Without going into the information we discussed last time, I made the case from scripture that humans are fundamentally two-part beings. What are those two parts, Scott?
0: A material
1: body and an immaterial spirit. Correct. A body and a spirit. And what is identified as the soul, the mind, and or the heart are all aspects of being human that are produced because a person is made up of a body and a spirit. So the question is, how does a newly conceived human get its spirit? The first human, Adam, got his spirit from God breathing into his body. God created that spirit, and for lack of a better way of describing it, the Creator then combined it with the body He had formed from the dust. But does God create a new spirit and combine it with the body of each newly conceived human now? It's obvious the body of a human comes from the combination of the mother's egg and the father's sperm. But how does the newly formed human...
0: Which we understand begins at conception.
1: Yes, life. Human life begins at conception. So how does that newly formed person, at the moment it is a zygote which, by the way, is the biological term describing a fertilized egg, how does the zygote get a spirit? Well, there are two main ways proposed. Perhaps God, just like a creation, creates a new spirit and combines it with a zygote. That is what the creation view believes. But the other view is called the tradition view. And that idea proposes that the human spirit is somehow passed on from the parents, or as I'll discuss, from one of the parents to the newly formed zygote that will be the offspring of the mother and father. And if that's true, it means the creation of the entire human line that proceeded from Adam was done by God creating one human spirit, Adam's spirit, which, in a mysterious way, that frankly I don't think we can know or understand, is somehow reproduced or divided or somehow passed on at each conception.
0: And Dr. Scripture, just to be clear then, you said that it was the tradition view which you adhere to, not the Creation view.
1: That's right. And there are several reasons I think it is better to understand that the human spirit is passed on to the offspring than to believe God creates a new human spirit at each conception. And remember, in the last program, we introduced this whole topic as having a gender component to it.
0: That's right. Here's
1: the reason why. I and many theologians believe that the spirit is passed on by the male parent alone. Now, having said that, I need to make it clear that nowhere in Scripture is it clearly stated, quote-unquote, the human spirit is passed on only through the Father. If it did, then this whole study we've been doing would have been real short and sweet. Mm. But given what Scripture does say, I think we can be fairly confident that the human spirit is passed on through the Father. And conversely, though the body of a human does come from both Father and Mother— By far, the bulk of the material part of a zygote, that is, a newly formed human, comes from the mother.
0: Now, you say that because the egg, which the female contributes, is huge compared to the little sperm that combines with it, right?
1: Exactly. There's a little material in the sperm besides DNA, but basically all the tiny sperm contributes to the formation of the zygote is half the genetic material, which then combines with the female's genetic material to form 23 chromosomal pairs. All the rest of what biochemically reacts and then develops into an embryo and then a fetus and finally a baby is supplied by the cytoplasm of the relatively huge cell, which is the egg. So I propose that though it's not 100% accurate, when we ask the question, how is human nature passed on from the parents to the offspring? The material part of the body comes from the mother, and the immaterial part, the spirit, comes from the father.
0: Ah, now I see why you spent the time you did in the first program clarifying the point that humans are fundamentally two-part beings. Mm -hmm. It then makes sense that the combination of body and spirit is all that's involved in making a new human being, and the means by which that combination occurs is what we're discussing now. You've got it, Scott. Well done. Thank you. So, you said there are several reasons why you thought it best to understand the Spirit was passed on by the Father alone. What
1: are they? Well, first, let's take a step back and consider the difference between the creation and tradition views of conception. Because it's important to realize what view you hold has a major bearing on whether or not the Spirit could be passed on through the Father or not. You see, if God creates a new Spirit at each conception— which is the creation view, the spirit would not be passed on by the Father. In a sense, it's God passing it on. He's creating the new, unique person spirit and combining it with the newly formed physical zygote. But what I and lots of theologians see as a very difficult problem to resolve is, if that's the case... Based on the biblical doctrine of the depravity of man from birth, God would in essence be creating a sinful, fallen human being with each conception. And that seems totally contrary to the character of God. Now, just basing an argument on what seems right or wrong to us is not sufficient to establish an important theological doctrine. However, there are also passages in the Bible that indicate that the fallen nature of each person born comes from Adam, meaning God did not create the newly conceived person a sinner. The fallen state of each newly conceived person is due to their spiritual connection to Adam. Remember, the spirit is the source of sin, not flesh. So let's read Romans 5, verses 12 and 15. Paul is comparing what happened when Adam sinned and when Jesus died to pay for sin. So, Scott, read Romans 5, 12.
0: Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, so death spread to all men, because all sinned. And then here's
1: verse 15. But the free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one many died, Much more did the grace of God, and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. So what Adam did passed sin on, but what Jesus did passed grace, that is, forgiveness, on. And this concept is also expressed in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 21 and 22. Scott, read 21. For
0: since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead.
1: For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all shall be made alive. Now note, we are all born in Adam, not just physical descendants of Adam. We are also spiritual descendants of Adam. And as such, we are all sinners, because sin is a product of the fallen spirit we inherit from him. That is why, as spiritual descendants of Adam, we all die. In fact, we're born spiritually dead separated from God, and must be born again.
0: Dr. Scripture, I'm thinking of one other passage that stresses the fact that we are born sinners, and it's in the Old Testament. Somewhere doesn't David say, I was conceived in sin?
1: Yes, good point, Scott. It's in Psalm 51. In verse 5, David says, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. That verse in particular doesn't have to mean that the Father is the source of the sinful nature. But there is one other crucial fact that relates to this that we'll consider now, the virgin birth of Jesus, and what actually was the necessity of the virgin birth of Jesus, the preexistent Son of God. The Bible makes it clear Jesus did not have a human father. So, if what I'm proposing, that the Spirit is passed on through the Father, how did Jesus have a Spirit? Where did it come from?
0: Well, the passage about the conception of Jesus in Luke's Gospel says the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary. That sounds like the Spirit of God was doing something to cause Mary to conceive.
1: Yes, so let's read some of that passage. It's Luke chapter 1, verses 34 and 35. When Gabriel tells Mary she will bear a son, she asks the obvious question, how can this be since I am a virgin? And then what does Gabriel say?
0: And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God.
1: The second person of the triune God, who existed before he was even conceived in Mary's womb, was somehow combined with a body. At that moment of conception, the body was no more than the egg Mary provided. But Jesus' human existence began, as does every human being's existence, since Adam and Eve started having offspring. A material cell is combined with a spirit, and that zygote is a newly formed human being. The difference in Jesus' birth from all others is, he did not receive his spirit from a human father. His already existed from eternity past. His spirit was combined with the egg of Mary by the Holy Spirit that is, by God. And the combination of a body and spirit produced what, Scott?
0: A human being. But not just any human being. It was God in the flesh.
1: Amen. And he did not inherit a sinful fallen spirit, because he did not inherit his spirit from Joseph, not from David, not from Adam. But as a being with a body and a spirit, Jesus was as human as anyone ever born.
0: Actually, it seems that the conception of Jesus was very similar to the creation of Adam. God started with the material substance of a body and combined a spirit with it. But in the case of Adam, God created the spirit, and in the case of Jesus, his spirit already existed. But, Dr. Scripture, I have one other question about the body of Jesus. The normal product of human conception includes the genetic material from the mother and father. If Jesus did not have a human father, where did the paternal chromosomes come from?
1: Uh, That's a great question, Scott. (laughs) And all we can say is God must have added that material too, or he may have accomplished it some other way. In any event, it was a miracle, no matter how you look at it. Amen. But to make the point about the source of the Spirit, When a human is conceived, it would seem that if the spirit of the mother was involved in the formation of a newly formed human in conception, then Jesus would have inherited sin from Mary. But if the spirit, which is the source of the fallen nature of man, comes only through the father, then by virtue of the virgin birth, Jesus did not receive a sinful spirit from his mother. Does Jesus' unique birth make him any less human? Well, not at all. Jesus was as human as Adam, and those two Adams are the sources of the two human families, the family whose destiny is eternal separation from God, and the family that will live eternally in God's presence in heaven. As 1 Corinthians 15:22 said, "...for as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all shall be made alive." And then verse 45, so also it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. And that's not what I say. That's what scripture says.